Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is mirth and reverence. One part of the Wiccan experience often focuses on a writing called The Charge of the Goddess, which was written by Doreen Valiente in the mid-1950s. She worked with Gerald Gardner, who is often credited with creating the original form of Wicca, and she wrote many of the rituals used by that tradition. One phrase that has always stuck with us even though we no longer practice Wicca, is when she talked about the different characteristics witches should have in their rituals, one which was that there be mirth and reverence in all things. As we strive to craft a spiritual practice that works for us on the path, there needs to be balance, and these seemingly opposite meanings bring that together for us. Many witches come from a background where church and worship created an opportunity to learn about the meaning of reverence, which we define as honor, respect, or awe, where a service was a serious affair, with a clergyman expounding on how to behave or improve oneself. Personal choice on what to believe was not encouraged, and in many cases actively discouraged if one wanted to be part of that particular group. Mirth, which we define as gladness, often accompanied by laughter, was seen as a secular pursuit and not part of any formal or even informal worship service. On the path, we believe that all rituals should encourage reverence for the energies we work with, as well as the purpose of the ritual itself. We also feel it should be a joyful experience in itself. A major part of our great work is learning the ability to find enjoyment in all things. Another important component of mirth in ritual is the capacity to not take ourselves so seriously especially when we screw something up in the middle. It has happened to all of us and will happen again because we are not perfect individuals, again, part of the human experience. Mirth allows one to counteract these feelings of guilt or embarrassment and our own imperfections that can interfere with our ritual experiences, sometimes to, to the point where we don't fulfill our purpose. Well, today we seem to be getting further afield, as it were, with more of the concepts and beliefs on which we kind of created our practice, for want of a better word. And today we've hit upon mirth and reverence, which seem to be two very opposite ideas that we've kind of put together, thanks to Doreen Valiente. It's the only thing that ever stuck for Sue and I, it's a very long writing, The Charge of the Goddess, and it's very poetic and beautiful. But that was the only phrase that seemed to be important because it lasted way longer than we've been practicing, I think. Sure, sure. And I think it's important, uh, just the basic concept of having both joy and a solemn sense of event or whatever during a ritual is important. If you have, you know, if everyone in the ritual or if everyone in the practice or whatever is super, super serious and nobody can have a chuckle once in a while, you're, you're not enjoying it as much you're enduring it. And, and not to call out specific faith groups, but, but 
for example, if you look at a Catholic mass, it's calisthenics. It's compulsory, stand, sit, pray, sing. But if you then look at, say, for example, you know, in my neighborhood, there's some there's some Southern Black Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And they're jumping up and down and they're singing and they're laughing and they're having a beautiful time. And man, the energy outside the building, if you if you listen to a mass from outside the building or if you listen to, you know, the, the, the counter to it, there is definitely a difference in the energy you feel if you can include joy and happiness and laughter and sharing a good cheer. I think if you don't have that, why are you doing ritual in the first place? I mean, there are times when seriousness and awe wins because something amazing happened or you were moved spiritually, for want of a better word. And that awe takes over. But by the same token, if you can't laugh at the fact that I don't know, you have to pull out the ritual flashlight because you can't read the small print by bonfire. I can remember being that guy with the ritual flashlight in my backyard. So thanks for the memory. (laughs) The whole point, because otherwise, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, that's just it. If you're only at a ceremony or an event to satisfy a commitment or fulfill some dutiful obligation, that's not church. That's work to me. Um, and, uh, in, in part of the reading, you know, we, we talked about being able to not take ourselves so seriously. And, you know, I've read that three times this morning and all three times I've called back to, uh, and I want to say it was, um, one of the parks and one of the hand fastings that you and I and Susan all went to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point in the ritual, everyone turned left to start walking around the circle clockwise, and Dave turned right and stepped face first into the person behind him. And for a moment, there was some real embarrassment, like, oh, my God, I'm doing this wrong. But then someone else sort of chuckled and said, this is a way of reminding us that there are new people and visitors in our circle. Mm-hmm. And the fact that somebody took my mistake, my mistake and turned it into a positive, everyone immediately started to laugh and it added to the right. It didn't take away from it at all. It added to it because yeah, there was a bumbling human there and, and bumbling humans happen. We're all bumbling humans, I'd like to think, because we're not perfect. (laughs) I mean, I know for me, I have taken that idea of mercy and reverence and kind of look for it in everything nowadays, in the everyday, so that it's not just when we're in ritual. Because I'm just a witch when I am in ritual. I am a witch 24-7. So if I Well, and our words, our words all day long, every day, not only to other people, but to ourselves, our words are spell work. They are prayer. Everything that we say is being sent out into the energy. And that's something I've been reminded of a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. And then, like I said, if I can't laugh at my humanity, then I am taking yeah. 
myself too seriously and I am liable to snap at other people or yell at the grandchildren or I am going to ram somebody in traffic at the moment because people <laughs> sometimes when they drive, you know, it, 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 it's that ability to recognize not only my own humanity, but when I can laugh at myself, I can remember other people are human more easily too. Boy, I needed to hear that today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of it is stop taking myself so seriously. Stop overscheduling. Stop overthinking things sometimes. And just enjoy the fact that I don't know. I got up this morning. I'm breathing. The sun is shining. Yes, it's trying to blow us to Kansas outside this morning with the wind. But, you know, just in general, it's it's okay. I think when we look for it in the everyday we can find those moments of joy. Well, you know, it's 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 remarkable that you say that because um, I've been noticing that over the last few days in nature. Um, you know, I, I I came out the front door the other day waiting for my Uber to work, and the sky struck me at a level that I could not describe using any other word but reference. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then later on that day, I'm standing in the pouring rain with a customer out in the parking lot, you know, and we both look at each other and I'm like, well, it's not snowing. And we both burst out laughing. So there's, there's mirth and reverence in the way that we see the world around us. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm using specifically environmental examples, but then I, you know, then it dawns on me as a musician there there are mirth songs and there are, are reverence songs and there are songs that have a combination of both joy and solemnity to them. Yeah. Um so yeah, I guess I guess what I'm doing with this is taking mirth and reverence even out of the path and into just a way of looking at the universe around us. I think so. That's kind of where I've gone with it. Because if you see me sending emails at the bottom, it says, may you find mercy and reverence in all things. Mm -hmm. yep. Tagline that I have. And the idea is, yeah, it is out there and take a minute and enjoy it. Sure. sure. Yeah. There, there's as much silly as there is serious. And I think, Part of it probably from growing up in Western culture, we're sort of trained to pay attention to all the serious and the, the silly isn't as important. And now in our 50s and 60s, we begin to realize how much laughter and, and giggling or just smiling it has an impact on our lives. Sure. It helps some days because if you can't smile and laugh at the insanity around you, you're going to bang your head against the wall. Well, you're if, if you can't smile and laugh at it, then you're in it, and that tells you something. Sure, pretty much, yeah. That's actually really relevant to the last couple of days that I've had on Earth. But uh, I remind I remind myself when I'm in the middle of one of those chaos, everyone is exploding at everyone moments. Uh -huh. There's a there's an old 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 James Garner movie called Support Your Local Sheriff. Yep. <laughs> and he t and he takes a fire hose to a bunch of people that are in a fight, and the next thing you know, it's a muddy mess, and everyone is laughing hysterically. Well, of course. I mean, sometimes you kind of have to be the sheriff in that respect, at least for yourself. 
If you can That's exactly what I was saying. You know, it's, um, I'm going back to some of my experiences recently. You know, mm-hmm. if I'd have stepped in at any point in time and said, hey, Dave, you're being weird and gotten a giggle out of it, I could have diffused some situations that instead I've, I've been able to learn my way through. Well, so now you know, but just think you've learned and now next time you can maybe giggle your way through a little sooner. Hey, look for them green flags, right? Exactly. You were, well, you and I were talking about that the, the other day that your training in the military taught you to look for red flags everywhere. And you're really finding the red flags and focusing on the potential disasters. And you're learning to flip it and watch for what you were calling green flags. The stuff that's around you that, yeah, there's still going to be red flags, but there's also good stuff going on, too. Well, and that actually ties in beautifully with mirth and reverence, because if when I'm in that state, it seems like I'm spending 95% of my time or energy in a mode of reverence, what is being revered as safety. I'm looking for every possible thing that can go wrong. And the mirth is the counterpoint to that coin where I can be in a a state of mind where I can actively look for things around me to giggle at and smile at. And that's been, what's that? Or the things are going right too. Yeah, absolutely. When things are going right, I am mirthful. (laughs) Hopefully, (laughs) you know, like I said, it, it all boils down to that wonderful concept of balance that seems to be the more we talk about it, the real, cornerstone of the path tradition sure looking for balance and actively working towards better balance but at the same time recognizing how we're never going to be perfect at balance absolutely it is a human experience yeah i think so last time i looked anyway you know and I <laughs> you had had mentioned it earlier that when I, we did went over the reading before we sat down to talk that I don't want to upset anybody who practices Wicca because we we come from a Wiccan foundation. That was where we found witchcraft in the first place was through Wicca. And Wicca is a perfectly valid practice for a lot of people. We just kind of took a, the Wiccan foundation pieces that worked for us and took a left turn with it, for want of a better word. So it wouldn't resemble traditional Wicca anymore. But if that's your boat, go ahead. Well, and I, I I really believe, you know, coming from a shamanic Wicca background myself, there are so many parallels that the big the big thing that I see is instead of representing the masculine and feminine or projective and receptive is what we call it, um, energies in the universe. Instead, we recognize that there are projective and receptive within all of us. So every human spirit is both God and goddess and male and female and projective and receptive and active and passive. And and like you are saying, it is all about that core balance. I think so. You know, and however you choose to represent yourself is fine. You know, and absolutely. And- yep. And I think a big part of it is we don't have to have a god and goddess in everything when we do ritual. 
Well, and I, I, I believe, like I say, from my background, that both of those aspects are aspects of me. I think so. I think there are aspects yep. of all of us. And the more we look for that, the more we recognize, oh, my Lord, everybody is the same in that respect. And it's and we are all divine. And it certainly would eliminate a lot of conflict if the rest of the world kind of thought that way. It certainly, when I focus on it, when I'm able to, it, it helps me be more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just in general, we're more likely, we're more accepting of others and ourselves and our ability to celebrate our differences instead of finding ways to create barriers with them, I think. Boy, I'm trying anyway. Me too. Well, that seems like a good point to end it now that we've solved the problems of why people yeah, I was universe. I was just going to ask how your coffee mug was because I'm out of macchiato here. I am empty, so... Until next time, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. And hopefully now you'll know a little bit more about why I say that. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. Witch Stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone card for Altar. Concept stone cards focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy. The Altar is the third of eight physical concept stone cards that relate to the energy of actions or results. It displays a black crossroads with a white, red, black, and gray dot in each quadrant surrounded by a gray and red border. The border being split, gray over red, tells us that this is a concept stone card. The border being gray over red or water over fire tells us that this card represents a physical concept. The center part of the crossroads on the altar stone is the point where the four quarters and above and below meet for turning the ordinary into the magical for us on the path. The four colors representing the four physical elements and directions are depicted as a reminder of the need for balance in our lives. Physically, the altar is simply a flat surface that is a focus for rituals, but is much more than that spiritually. It is a place of focus for spiritual awakenings, setting our intentions, offering devotions, expressing gratitude, meditating, reflecting. There are endless choices of what we want our altar to be on our spiritual path. For us, it is about what we hold most sacred in our lives. An altar is the outward expression of our beliefs and a place to work with the energies that we have. It is the central point where we work practical magic or offer devotions. So as the energy is released, it is sent out into the universe. As it is projective, This projective energy is associated with the light half of the year. The altar stone card is associated with the full moon, 
It represents creativity and inspiration when reflecting on the element of fire. The altar represents flow of actions when reflecting on the element of water. In a reading, the scene energy for the altar stone card is personal practices, power of the physical elements, and practical spell work. Personal practices may be about remembering what is important to us. The power of the physical elements is always available to any witch to call upon when you need it, and this may be the reminder that they are there and that we may need them at this time. And practical spell work is an integral part of creating personal change as a witch, and this may be a reminder for us to keep things simple or get back to basics. The unseen energy for the altar stone card in a reading is personal practices, elemental imbalance, and spell work needs mundane follow-up. Personal practices may be about using what is most important to us or that we need to do some type of practice we may have been neglecting or haven't kept up on in a while. Elemental imbalance may mean we are caught up in the energy of one type and need to find a way back to balanced use of all energy types together. And spell work needs mundane follow-up may be a reminder that casting a spell on the magical side without doing the day-to-day stuff that you need to do on the mundane side to keep that magic working might be keeping us from what we need to manifest quickly or even at all. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is a practice I've recently developed to help me cope with a moderate level of seasonal affective disorder that I deal with. In its most basic, this manifests itself in my life as a growing or a building depression during the winter stretches where we have four, five, even six days or more of gray in a row. Absence of observable sunshine, the lack of sightings of blue sky, and the shortness of the days, the lack of the moonshine and starlight, these all add up to a considerable amount of what I refer to as depressive load. In the past, I've used little mantras like pointing out the blue sky to myself and commenting about the beauty of the night sky just to help me notice more of the good occurrences and help me maintain courage and grace through those gray stretches. This year, I've added a component to this practice that helps evolve some of my self-care into sharing a positive influence with others around me. So each day, I actively, aggressively on some days, seek out and look for even the smallest patch of blue sky or sunshine. Similar to looking harder to recognize more of the synchronicities in our life, This is a way of my looking harder for those positives and de-emphasizing the negatives. The new and extra component to this is that I share, share it with those people that are around me. I try to point out to at least a few people every day when there is a moment of blue sky or sunshine. 
I point at it. I call it out. I compel others around me to look at it and marvel and even start a brief discussion about how nice it is to be able to notice these moments, even during the darkest and grayest of days. My initial goal was to engage at least 13 people each day that I saw sunshine, talk about it with them, share the hope in these moments. Recently, I've dropped down to seven people, and in your environment, it may even be more or less. I work in a store where I'm around medical, metaphysical people all day. The point is, once I've actively talked up that blue sky and sunshine moment with at least seven people each day, I count that as a full dose of my self-care and openly shared seasonal grays medication. So then when I experience a few days of gray, I envision this energy reserve that I have stored and shared during these brief conversations. This thought sustains me through those gray days. And I'd like to think that I'm sharing some of my magic medicine with each person that I share with and adding to the net positive in my daily universe. So when you see that next ray of blessed sunshine, share it with someone, talk about it, point it out. The net result is that we might all feel lifted, even if just for a moment. Again, this is a great and fun way to help train my brain to start noticing more and more and more of the magical in my life. And I hope this suggestion helps you in your own expanding practice. For now, be safe, be kind, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember... We are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.